What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rockcast, brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps and partnered with Black Rifle Coffee Company. I'm going to do another episode of Tipsy Tuesday. It is February 29th, so winding down February here. And uh, yeah, getting a heck of a lot closer to a lot of application deadlines that are going to be coming in here. So hopefully everybody is kind of starting to get their season planned out. I think this is going to be a good episode. There's a lot there's a lot of things to cover and uh, a lot of interesting articles too. So first off, uh, some housekeeping stuff that we're doing. Uh, the film contest is still scheduled. We have not got a lot of participation in this. So if you have a film from any year um, that is has to do with like Western hunting, you can submit it to me, Jordan, at rockslide.com by May 1st. And uh, yeah, we're going to have Onyx as a set member or a set sponsor for this for sure. So they're going to be uh, giving away a few um, like either uh, or there it's an elite membership. So that's that'd be for all 50 states, $100 value. So if you're uh, interested in that, and you have a you have a film. It doesn't have to be from the 2021 season. It can be from any season. So enter that by May 1st. Okay, uh, latest episodes we've had, we've had a couple uh, episodes get kicked out from Western Hunt Expo, so Sam Weaver talked with Scree Gear, so that is up. Um, I just did a Sleep Systems, uh, the the gear series that I'm doing, they aren't exactly going in order, um, but they are all named gear series, and this one was a Sleep Systems, and then another one from... Western hunt that we did was with Kendall Card from Crispy Boots on the new boots coming out, and they they do have a new boot called the Altitude, and that's like a, I would say a, a light go fast breathable like summertime early season archery shoe. So if you're interested in that, go listen to that podcast and listen to him talk about it, and then they're uh, giving updates to a couple of their other boots as well as a a new addition to the Brixtel boot. So go check that out. New Rockslide articles. Mike Moore did an article on the Sitka Arrowhead Equipment MDWI hoodie. And it sounds like this hoodie is not something that you've heard a lot uh, come out of Sitka gear. But it is a Sitka gear product. Um, so it sounds like it's a, it's a hoodie with some polar tech in it. <clears throat> and I think it was designed for the military. So... Go uh, go read that article. And then we have Zach Harold with a Mountain Hunter and Compass boot review from Lathrop and Sons. So that article is up and going. And then one that I dug up from the past is uh, Robbie Denning uh, did an article called Breaking 200. And it basically has a lot of the, you know, like four or five of the big, you know, big deer that he's killed and he just goes through like a basic rundown of of the uh, the hunt, and then some things like the date they were shot, the the time of day that they were shot, some of the like some of the uh, details that go with it. And I just thought it was super cool. And it's one I think that article was back in 2017, and um, we did an article or uh, we did a podcast with Robbie just not too long ago about his new book coming out, and that is going to be all about the stories. And so he's going to, I'm sure, dive into a lot more detail on all these deer that he talked about. But 
the kind of quick and dirty with the details is uh, made for a really cool article. So go check that out. Um, all right, new products. One of them we got from the Western Hunt Expo is called Hard Sided Hydration. And basically, it lets you put a hydration hose on your Nalgene bottle. So if you don't like a bladder inside your backpack, I'm not a huge fan of it just because um, they're a pain in the ass to fill up. A lot of times if I'm using one, I'm like, we're doing vehicle camping or something where at the end of the day, I could pull my water bladder out and I have like a good water source there to fill the bladder up. And then once it's gone during the day, it's just gone. And I just rely on my Nalgene bottle. Um, I don't know why this is just the way I do it. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat too. So, uh, this basically lets you put a hydration hose or an Nalgene bottle. Um, I think, uh, like one thing Leah brought up with Nalgene bottles is she's like, it's just, it seems like I don't drink as much water when I have those versus like a hydration bladder because the hose is always like right next to my mouth. So it's easy. You just think about it instead of having to like take an Nalgene bottle out of your, uh, like water bottle holder and then drink it and like it's definitely valid like the you know it's the little things and it's not like I mean I don't think it's a it's a lazy thing of taking your water bottle out it's just one of those things that I don't think you even like consciously think about it's just something that happens um so I think putting the uh the hose on an algae bottle is going to be good for me but um, yeah, there's a lot of things. You can just check it out. And, uh, as we use it more, I'll talk about pros, cons, all that stuff. Um, a couple new things coming out as well from Garmin. So I've talked about an inReach a lot, and I think that everybody should have an inReach if you are going to be in any kind of sketchy service situations. Um, I've talked about it before, especially if you're just starting out and you're going to do like one hunt a year or something like that. Um, you know, and you're going to have a lot of, uh, you're going to have a lot of cell phone service. Like maybe, you know, going this route isn't maybe the most cost effective thing that you could do if you're just starting out. But if you're going to be in the backcountry at a cell phone service, like <clears throat> you should have one. You should definitely have an inReach and they just came out with a new one called the inReach Mini 2. So there's always been the inReach Mini and then now they've just updated that. Essentially what they've done is they've updated the battery life. So it says that if in just regular mode, like it can last up to two weeks on one battery and it is one week with like every 10 minutes updating. So that is like quite substantial over the previous version, which I believe was like the 14 or 15 hour mark for that. Um, so yeah, up to a week. It's pretty dang good. Um, especially for those that are just using it real quick and then turning it off. Uh, it'll last you for the whole hunt. Um, and then the interface is easier to use with the limited buttons. Um, and it has the track back for the GPS on it. So, um, couple more features there gives you it's a little I think they added one more button so there's four buttons on it that let you uh, navigate through things so um, you know still not like super ideal if your phone were to to go down and you can't like type on it but it is still like has a redundancy that it can be a standalone 
unit and you can type messages back on it if you need to. So that's the Mini 2. Go check that out. And then um, <clears throat> Garmin also released the Instinct Watch 2. So it's the Instinct 2. I did a review on the original Instinct that came out. And then we talked with Mike Hearn about the solar options that they just came out with last year. And now they've just come up with an updated version of the Instinct. I'm actually getting one. So I'm going to be able to give a rundown of the original one that I have and then this updated version. Um, but in my opinion, like for a backcountry hunter that also likes a watch on the daily, like bang for your buck, you cannot get a better watch than the Garmin Instinct. Um, so I'm sure that that's going to hold, hold strong for the, the second version as well, but we'll see. And then they also came out with the Phoenix seven, uh, versions. They only have a couple of versions out for that. And I hear that they are, you know, they're going to do more probably like, um, they have quite a few different, I would say like moderations or whatever of the Phoenix six, which is a watch that I currently use but they do have the seven out and I haven't dove into all the details yet on what the differences are between like the six and the seven and whatever. But, uh, as soon as I get those, I will be updating them. So, all right. Okay. On to hot news. There's quite a bit here. I think they're good articles though. So, all right. We've been updating everybody with the corner crossing lawsuit in Wyoming. Um, a while back, I talked about the attorney for the guys that were charged with trespassing. Um, they asked for dismissal of the criminal trespass charges, and they basically were saying that the state and the federal definitions of um, trespassing clashed against each other. So they were just asking for a complete dismissal. So that's kind of the last update I've gotten on that. But there was a House bill that was introduced called House Bill 0103. And it would change the hunter trespass um, from its current like definition of no person shall enter upon to no person shall enter upon or travel through. So that basically you know, would define things a little bit more for that case or for more so for future cases. I don't think it would apply to this one. But something that is very interesting to me that has happened is more of like a side effect of this case going on is uh, the Wyoming Backcountry Hunters and Anglers chapter of Wyoming has been involved, not like directly in the case, but like raising funds for the legal defense to help them you know, defend themselves, I guess. Um, because of that support to the ones that have been charged, um, or whatever, I guess you want to call it. The Wyoming game and fish commission has pulled a commissioner big game license away from BHA that they had, um, planned to, I guess, donate to them. So the, so it could be auctioned auctioned off and the money, you know, raised for the chapter. So, um, the president of the Wyoming Game and Fish Commission said that he didn't want to pick sides on the matter. And because BHA was, you know, supporting the, I guess they would be defendants. Um, they thought that, you know, giving them a commissioner's tag that will raise a substantial amount of money for their chapter would be picking sides. So they just pulled it and it's just a non-issue now besides, 
you know, whatever money that BHA had um, allotted or like whatever project that they had planned for the money that they raised for that is now gone um, to a certain extent. So it's just interesting. I did not think that I was going to read that when I opened the article. So um, I guess something to be aware of that did happen. Okay, now, uh, now down to Utah, there is a new bill that has been introduced that is going to limit guides and outfitters. So House Bill 62 enacts limitations on compensating people to locate big game animals. So something that happens down in Utah, and I'm sure it's, it's happened other places as well, is say, you know, we have, you know, XYZ outfitter and he you know, is a big name and, you know, Joe gets a hold of him, says, Hey, I drew this tag. I want a really big deer. I want 200 plus whatever. And he goes to the outfitter and he says, all right, I've heard a lot of good things from you. So I want to hire you. So he hires them. And then, you know, that guide outfitter, whatever, can't find a deer like that. So he reaches out to other guides and outfitters around the area and asks them, hey, if you can find me this, you know, a 200-inch deer that's a typical or whatever, you know, I will basically purchase that location from you or purchase that information from you. Or there's a lot of different ways um, that they've done it or I've heard of people doing it. Some of it is like the outfitter will actually transfer like, that client to the other guide so like the guide that found the animal those other outfitters don't know where that is I don't know it is like a crazy thing so uh you cannot and then in the example they say that okay so I'm you know all right so I found a 200 inch deer like xyz outfitter you know I found him you know I'll settle them to you for twenty five hundred bucks, ten grand, whatever. Um, there's some of that going on, so this bill is basically gonna make that illegal, and it's gonna tell you that you cannot compensate people more than twenty five dollars for giving them, like, for helping you find an animal or telling you where one is. Can't compensate for more than twenty five bucks now. Um, so that could happen, and then the next thing. Um, that could happen is the other thing that's introduced in the bill is how many people you can take with you. So we've all seen pictures of whoever XYZ outfitter with a hunter and, you know, more so I I think in like the big animals and there's like, you know, seven or eight guides around them helping, looking for, for animals and things. And I've been a part of hunts that are just like that. And, uh, you know, I've been filming hunts where there's a lot of guides that, you know, they might be looking for a specific animal. So everybody's spread out and looking for one. And I wouldn't say, um, like exactly against it. Uh, I've just been a part of it. I'm a little, I guess, indifferent is what I would say. Um, so that is going to come into play here too with this house bill. So it reads the person retains and uses not more than one outfitter or hunting guide in connection with taking a big game animal. And then, and the retained outfitter or hunting guide 
uses no more than one compensated individual in locating or monitoring the location of big game animals on public land. And a violation of any of these is going to result in an unlawful take of that animal. So, um, and, and that's a that's a big deal. That's going to get some stuff yanked from you, including the animal. So that's House Bill 62. It's coming down the pipe in Utah. There's a lot more that goes along with this bill. These are more like the highlights. And I think this uh, article has been published a lot lately in the last couple of days. So you can get online and find more info on it. Um, all right. This is kind of an off, uh, I wouldn't say off topic. It's just changing gears a little bit. This is an article. Uh, it's the National Buck Harvest Highest. Uh, so they're talking about the National Buck Harvest Rate from the last couple of years. And this last year, the 2021 season, it was the highest um, buck harvest this century. So it says, this is for white-tailed deer. 6.3 million white-tailed deer in the 2021 season were harvested, and they claim another new record was set for the percentage of those that were three and a half years or older. Uh, they say, we're killing older bucks and more bucks than ever in America, and that percentage is 41% of the total um, is three and a half years or older, and that was up from last year's 26%, so that's pretty, that's pretty big increase, actually. Um so, and then it says 65% of the deer were taken with rifles, 26% with archery equipment, and only 9% with muzzleloader. So, I thought that that was interesting. I thought that there'd be more with muzzy. Um, all right. That's just like a fun fact article. And next up, this is also kind of a fun fact article. Uh, back to Utah. It says, authorities investigate hunting permit uh, fraud. And before we go through some of these cases, we should say probably how Utah works first. So, for non-residents, when you're applying for Utah, you get to apply for all species. You get to apply for, you know, you can throw an app in for deer, an app in for elk, app in for antelope, app in for um, sheep, app in for goats, app in for moose. You can do all of it. Residents kind of get the shaft here, and you have to pick, the way I understand it, you have to pick... One regular big game like the elk, deer, antelope, you get to pick one of those and then you get to pick once in a lifetime. Or pick one once in a lifetime. So you have to pick which one you're you're putting in for. So you're you're limited. So you can see how this would this would uh cause some people to come up with some crazy ideas. So Utah has examined at least 95 cases of license fraud since 2017. So um, here's like four examples. For some reason, I love these kinds of things. Um, in 2019, a South Carolina resident illegally purchased a Utah resident license and drew a limited entry permit in the Henry Mountains and shot a big deer. The Henry Mountains are known for a giant deer. He shoots a big deer. Um, investigators charged him with a third-degree felony, took the deer away, and ordered an $8,000 fine. And then the next thing, in 2020, um, a California resident got a, uh, a 2020 Utah resident permit and shot a bighorn sheep. He applied as a resident for several years 
and he also received a third-degree felony, $25,000 in fines, and they took a sheep. And now, this is where it gets interesting, to the flip side. A Utah resident who uh, he claimed non-resident status for bonus points. So, in 2017... um, a guy was using his grandfather's identity to apply for permits and bonus points and they didn't draw anything, but they figured it out and they were charged with a class B misdemeanor and a third degree felony for ID fraud. Damn. And the last one, a Utah resident was claiming to be an Arizona resident for eight years in order to get bonus points for all the species. Dang. Crazy times. Um, okay, important dates coming up. The 3rd of March, which is not that far away, is the Utah uh, deadline for all species. And the 16th of March is the New Mexico all species deadline. And then April 1st is Montana deer and elk deadline. And April 5th is Colorado application deadline. So those are some of the big ones. There are some other ones that were like... I think a New Mexico guide draw maybe or some of the other strange draws like that. Um, So if you're interested in any of that stuff, you should go make sure that you get your apps in on time. But those are the, those are some of the big ones coming up. So this year for the hot minute, um, I want to talk about preference points versus bonus points. um, Or just, I guess the differences between preference points, bonus points, and then weighted points. In Colorado, which I don't 100% understand, but um, I'm going to go through it. So, preference points. So, a preference point, I almost think of it as like a tiered system. So, those with the most points are going to draw first. So, and then it will go down to the next, like, point holder down. And, you know, so if I look at a unit on wherever, you know, like on Wyoming Game and Fish's um, website, I look and I want to draw X unit and I look at it and it's like, okay, you know, a hundred percent of the people last year drew with five points. So you can say, all right, I probably, I have five points, so I'm probably going to draw. So, um, that, so they might draw, gosh, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. So if you have like a hundred tags and you have 50 people that put in that had five points, then, you know, 100% of those point holders with five points are going to draw those tags. So 50, you're going to have 50 tags left. And then that is going to go down to, um, that's going to go down to the next point holder, which is going to hold four points just to keep this simple. So the pool of people that have four points outweighs the number of tags that are, um, left to allocate so then that will turn into a draw system i believe it's just a random draw um in the the pool of um point holders that have four points so that's how it works the good thing with preference points is it's easy uh, to predict when you're going to draw so that's something for planning too that works nice it's not like, holy cow, I'm just going to probably randomly draw this tag this year or hopefully I draw this tag this year. It's like, no, you're either going to know that you're going to 100% draw it or maybe you're going to be down, you know, in the next point below it where you might have 
um, you know, a 30% chance of drawing or something like that. But you, it's a little easier to predict a preference point system. Um, in most states, you have to a, you have to apply for the for a tag, and then if you're unsuccessful in drawing the permit or the tag, then they will give you a point. They will give you a preference point. Um, some states actually make you purchase it. So Wyoming is one of those. Even if you put in for a tag in Wyoming and you do not draw that tag, they will not just give you a preference point. You have to buy it. So something to keep in mind there, which makes it a little nice because you don't even have to apply if you know that you're probably not going to draw. If you're like after a certain unit, you're like, well, I don't even want to apply there because I'm not going to get it. So you can just get on and get a preference point. Um, okay. And then Utah is another, let's see. Maybe that's not right. Um, something more with, with preference points is some states will let you go in as a party and split points. Wyoming is one of those states as well. So if you have 10 points and I have zero points, and we're going to go in together, then combined we're going to have five points because they're going to split that in half. And they do that um, down to the, like, down to like a 0.25. So, you know, if you have X amount of points and I have X amount of points and it's not going to make like an even number, they'll uh, reduce it to the 0.25 and it definitely can make a difference. Um, So that's basically how preference points work. And then bonus port, uh, bonus points. I think of bonus points as like you're kicking more chips into the to the hat with your name on them. So whereas like preference points, they're giving you um, preference if you have five points. On the flip side, if you have five bonus points, um, you know all you're doing is you're just flipping your name into the hat to up your draw odds or you're flipping more names into the hat for to up your draw odds so you're still not guaranteed but it will tell you you know a lot of the sites will tell you like okay you have five bonus points like here's your chances of drawing they're you know 60 percent um and then you know here's your chances of drawing for if you have three bonus points it's 15 percent i don't know but something it could be something like that. Um, some states are going to square the bonus points. So you can see how like they grow exponentially faster as you gain points. Um, I think some of them don't work quite that way, but that is a difference between a preference point and a bonus point. So if you're like a real planner and you're really trying to plan things out and you want to like know like, hey, for, like for me, planning my season out, since I guide a lot, um, I pick this the units that I want to go into, I pick those by basically season date, honestly, because I know that, all right, I'm going to have to guide people from here to here, so give me a unit that has a set of dates that we can work with, and that's what I'm going to put in for. Um, so preference points really help me because I can plan my season out a little bit better versus just, you know, you could just only apply for bonus point states and you could come up with like zero, even if you have a lot of points because you're still, there's a lot of uh, randomness that you're playing on in there. So that's bonus points. 
and preference points. And now we're going to go to weighted points. So I actually had a question on weighted points. So I asked, I would call him our local rock slide genius, Mike Street. We've done a couple of podcasts with him. Um, I believe he's an engineer. So he uh, like is big into the numbers and does a really good job at breaking things down and explaining it. So weighted points. I talked to him about weighted points in an article or sorry, in a uh, podcast episode quite a few times back where we were, were uh, we were talking about point creep and I'll link that down in the show notes with a little uh, tag on where, what uh, time code to go to to get to it and he explains how they really break it down um, but Colorado uses something called a weighted point system for sheep goat moose like your once in a uh, once in a lifetime tags so basically what it is is you have to gain three years of applying before you are even awarded a weighted point or um, get put into the draw. So they actually call those three points and then your weighted points are like plus, you know, if I put in for three years or if I put in for five years, then I'm going to have three points plus two weighted points. So what they do is they take your application number, they invert it, convert it to a random number, and then they divide it by your weighted points plus one. So good Lord, if you have, you know, I I don't know how many, like how long this random number is, but the idea is the more points, the more weighted points that you build, they are going to divide your random number by your um, weighted points plus one. So basically it's going to be your weighted points um, plus that year's weighted point. And that is going to make your random number get cut down a lot. So, you know, if you're dividing it by four, um, it's going to get cut down a decent amount. If you divide that by 10, it's going to get cut down way more than if you're dividing it by four. And then what they do is once that's divided, then they take that number and they put it in the stack of applicants from like the lowest number being on top to the highest number being at the bottom. And then they have, all right, you know, we have 10 tags allocated to this. We're going to take the top 10, um, applicants off the stack and those are the winners for the points um there are my question to mike that i asked him a little earlier was okay so there seems to be a lot of like chatter if you will about folks saying that your weighted points don't matter because there's guys that are drawing with you know zero plus one weighted points they're drawing with like their first year of being able to apply their drawing. So why is that dude drawing? And then somebody that has 10 weighted points is still stuck there and hasn't drawn yet. Um, And the short answer that he gave to me was there are simply a lot more people applying with those lower number of weighted points than the higher number of, of points. So it's, you know, bleeding over into those folks that have zero points or zero plus one or you know the lower number of points so 
Hopefully that didn't just confuse the hell out of you because it took me a long time to understand the weighted point deal. Um, but Mike did just submit a an article about the weighted points in Colorado. So hopefully we'll see that article published for too much longer and then we'll get him on the podcast to talk about it because I love hearing about stuff like that. So that is preference points versus bonus points versus weighted points. If nothing more, just so you know. Um, all right. Onyx, I've been using Onyx a ton. I just added a third screen into my office. Um, that's actually a 32-inch television that I mounted to the wall above my monitors. So um, that has just been Onyx pulled up for the last week since I've put the uh, put the TV up. And every once in a while, I just glance up at it and try to make a couple new points and then go back to work for a while. But... Uh, yeah, if you want a discount code to Onyx, you can enter code ROCKCAST at checkout for 20% off. And then Black Rifle Coffee, keeping me alive in the mornings on the daily. Uh, you can enter code ROCKSLIDE for 20% off. And it is a one-time um, pre-use for each customer. So go check that out. Um some upcoming episodes, we're going to have a couple of scouting episodes coming up. I recorded one with Jim Carr. His is going to be kicked out here on March 1st. Um, I have Travis Hobbs slated for another scouting article, or scouting podcast. And yeah, I'll keep going with the, the gear series. We're going to talk with, at some point, we're going to talk with Brad from Argali about their new tents. And yeah, just going to continue to try to keep you guys updated on new things coming out. And yeah, that's pretty much all I got. We'll talk to you guys on the next one.